Hey, Magic fans, this is Kristen Ledlow from NBA TV and NBA Inside Stuff, and you're listening to the Penny for Your Thoughts podcast. Now it's over to Geraint, Mikey, and Paul. Go Magic! In order for the magic to work, you have to truly believe in the magic. What's up, Magic fans? Welcome to Orlando Magic UK's weekly podcast, Penny for Your Thoughts. Uh, today is Friday the 10th of March, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Jonathan Isaac, uh, some comments made in the NBA about a certain official from um, somebody from a different team, um, and the Magic Hall of Fame. So this morning's um, Orlando Magic UK injury report had uh, Mikey down as questionable, Myself, Gary, and uh, and Paul as available. However, we've had a bit of a change during the day. So Paul is now out. Mikey got upgraded to probable and is now actually making an appearance. So we've got the three of us uh, here tonight. So uh, how are we, gents? Enjoying the snow? Yeah? You had a bit of a drive this morning, didn't you? Bit of a drive this morning, but to be honest with you, there was no snow on the uh, main road I went onto, so... Most of the drive was pretty good and um, logged on tonight, saw the uh, Orlando Magic UK answer to Franz Wagner. Iron Man Mikey Clark sat there if you missed the episode and your smiling face, G, and it just uh, made my day. It could be as cold as it wants, but it's it's a warm heart that I sit on the podcast tonight. Uh, wicked, mate. And are you feeling any better, Mikey, then? Well, I don't, I don't know about that, mate. I've had three days off work, not much snow, just uh, lots of man flu, coughing, Sneezing, blow my nose, living the dream. Um, yeah, I'm all right. I'll get, I'll, I'll get through it. Good stuff, good stuff. And uh, obviously, we're hoping Paul gets uh, better, so he has a, a bit of a weekend. Um, so let's move on. Magic news for the week. So as we finished the episode last week, uh, we had to do a bit of a re-recording because we had a certain section on Jonathan Isaac and then we found out that uh, he got injured. So um, the injury is a torn left abductor muscle. Jonathan had season-ending surgery so that the recovery has basically started already. So uh, firstly, we'd all like to wish Jonathan, you know, a speedy recovery. Uh, He's been through a hell of a lot, especially getting back onto the floor this season. So uh, kudos to him. Um, so, Mikey, given the news, what are your thoughts and you know options long term that the Magic have now? You know, since this l- latest setback, are we in you know last chance saloon territory with Jonathan? Do you think it's very possible? Um, I mean, we're starting to look at Ji like Grant Hill two I think the Orlando Sentinel Kobe Price put that out a few days ago, and it does feel like that. Um, when you think J.I.'s played, what, 147, 148 games in, what, five, six years with the Magic? Um, it it kind of feels, now we've got Paolo and Franz, that we're, we're kind of in the stage of moving on from J.I. anyway. Um, we've seen the impact he's had with, since he's been back this season, but... The, it's it's t- it's a tough position really because look the, the main options are the magic could cut him his his deal next season's not fully guaranteed i think it's 7.6 million uh next season is only guaranteed if the magic cut him before um i can't think what the date is now i think it's the start of october 
So they could clear up some salary by cutting him. And obviously they, they'd still have a, a little bit of chunk still on the salary cap. Um, you could trade him. But let's be honest, what are teams going to be giving up of any significant value to get J.I.? Um, and on top of that, you c he's also earning £17 million a year. Um, so it's hard to see any team really taking a gamble on, on that, really. Or do the Magic carry on with him? Um, which I think feels like the most likely scenario at the moment when you think, what's he got two more years on his contract after this year? Um, I think we've just got to stick it out and, and hope that he can get a, a fully healthy off-season or get get over this this latest setback. He's going to have several months to get himself back and, and prepared for, for the start of training camp. And then maybe hopefully next year, he can hit the ground running and, and put all of this behind him. But it's starting to feel really unlikely that's going to happen as well. But, I mean, in terms of the front office, I think it's going to end up looking bad on them if they just say, right, we're going to cut J.I. Um, and move on from him because they've stuck with him this long. I think it would be a bad look on the, on the organisation if they were to do that. Um, so... The only other way you can really see it is if there was a a big trade went down in the off season and Ji was a part of that because of because of like salaries and things like that going going across and moving. Um, yeah, at, at this stage, I think you've just got to stick with Ji, see him at the other side of this latest setback, and hope that hope that he gets back into it next season. I think that's that's really all we can hope for at this stage. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. And obviously, it's not as significant an injury as uh, the other injuries that he's had. And, and it's a matter of a, maybe a couple of months as opposed to, you know, possibly a year, except two or three years, maybe, um, to get back onto the court. And we saw his impact in limited minutes. And, you know, um, even if it's, you know, worst case situational, you keep him around for that. Um, so on the subject of injuries, um, we saw injuries to a couple of other members of the squad. Uh, Gary's main man, Admiral Schofield, left the game against Portland with a concussion. Um, I didn't see that, in fact. Um, it was only just reported, wasn't it? Sort of like halftime. Um, did any of you boys see it? What happened? I didn't clock it during the game. I just was kind of like, no. was, you know, like brief appearance and then they mentioned it on the uh, commentary. He must have just caught a, a stray elbow or something like that because I don't remember him hitting the floor. Yeah. Um, and then um, Wendell Carter has missed the last three games after playing uh, against the Charlotte Hornets last Friday. Um, the Magic announced this week that Dennis Scott will be honoured to the Orlando Magic Hall of Fame on March the 23rd when the Magic face... Uh, the New York Knicks. 3D is going to become the 12th member of the Orlando Magic Hall of Fame. Uh, so, Gary, what are your memories of Dennis Scott's time in Orlando in his seven seasons? Uh, and who do you think may get in next year? Okay. Um, so, when you sent the agenda through, G, um, I was thinking, when was the first time I heard of Dennis Scott properly? You know, like when you can actually remember it. Yeah. And it was actually picking up. I know that you, you know you, you see basketball cards and things like that, and you've got a, an awareness of what was happening in the Magic games. But I remember picking up a season preview magazine, 
And it said in the preview magazine, and this is not my words, it was the season preview magazine, um, things that to look out for with the Magic that season. And it was something along the lines of, and I remember this clear as day, expect Dennis Scott to try to prove he is not an overweight standstill shooter and fail. And that was the preview on the Magic. Wow. And, uh, I will add to this that this was the season that we then went on to go to the NBA Finals. <laughs> <laughs> So it worked out well for Dennis Scott. Um, and when you look at like what he did, the current NBA, if you look at Dennis Scott through those eyes, and you shouldn't because it's the context changes, but Dennis Scott and Nick Anderson are making a lot of money in the current NBA because of how their games are and how they translate. And I remember Dennis Scott in the finals run, and he, he basically was, in my memory, seemed to be a sixth man, and then he displaced Donald Royal out of the team and he kind of became like part of the starters, so to speak. And I remember watching the games I could watch and a lot of them were on DSF, which was a German sports channel at the time. And every three that Dennis Scott threw up, you felt like it was going in. You know, like when you see players like mm. Steph Curry now and you mm. see the bucket just seems as though it's an ocean and it leaves his hand and you're like, it's a three. That's what it felt like. And with Shaq in Orlando, Dennis Scott was extremely valuable. Because you had Shaq, you had Horace Grant, they could clean the boards up. And if he missed, you had those two guys in the paint. And Horace Grant is a big guy. <laughs> and he didn't look that big when you were watching as a kid because he was stood next to Shaq a lot of the time. But you had two really good, you know, like efficient rebounders. And it's worth pointing out that in that NBA, the 90s NBA, Dennis Scott for us was over 40% three-point shooter in a time when that was pre-focus on the three ball. So it's really telling you how good he was. He had the NBA record for 267 threes. And if you're thinking about where he stands with us, well, he still holds the record for seven threes versus Indiana in game two of the Eastern Finals. And that was really, we obviously lost <laughs> to Houston in the finals. So that mm. Indiana series was really something to hang your hat on if you're a Magic fan. And it was shown that we kind of like arrived and Dennis Scott was a huge part of that team. And, the starting five of the Magic at that time or what became the starting five when Dennis Scott was officially in it, but the big minutes players were kind of like the Beatles. Hmm. So like in that, in that, and that's why I'm a Magic fan, you know, the Shaq jersey and stuff. But at that time period, having a Magic jersey was like kind of a trendy thing to have in the UK. They were one of the big teams and Dennis Scott was a big part of that. Um, that is not a Dennis Scott jersey behind me, if you're on <laughs> by the way. G pointed this out, but that was my... Uh, Trick the naked eye, it's a Steve Panthers throwback. But I was tributing Dennis Scott and also um, previewing who I think should be the next member. And that's Dwight Howard. I think it's, for me, he was the face of the franchise. Um, the finals run speaks for itself. Um, Three-time defensive player of the year. He was absolutely jobbed not being in the uh, top 75 players of all time. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, if anyone wants to show that they don't, haven't watched much basketball back in the, you know, like an hour day, I would call it, people seeing Rudy Gobert versus Dwight Howard, who's better, it's it's not even a comparison. It's insane that people think that, you know, lay off crack, if that's what you think. Um, <laughs> and, um, he, for me, Dwight Howard didn't get the love for how good he was in Orlando in that time because there was a lot of media focus on LeBron and the Cavs and wanting the Cavs versus Lakers final to get LeBron and Kobe, but Dwight Howard stopped that. And the whole NBA system of having basically your three-point shooters 
was built around Dwight Howard because he was that good at getting the rebounds and dominating the paint and being this athletic freak. And if you wanted to, we, we're not going to debate it, obviously, but um, well, I don't want to debate it, but you could say he's the best magic centre of all time. You know, like, he's that good. that you, you can make the argument whether it was him or Shaq because of how good he was in a magic jersey. And really, I think the only argument really about why Dwight Howard wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame was because of how he left. There's there's a sour taste in people's mouths, but for what he did, and I know I've been trying to get him to come on the podcast uh, yes. and stuff. So if you're watching Dwight, you know, do feel free to come on. But really, what he did in Orlando speaks for itself, and it it gives me two questions really, which were inspired by some things I saw on Twitter this week. And the two questions are really, it's what is the bigger what if? So Marvel's got their Marvel What If series and all that. What's the bigger what if? And they are, what is the legacy for the likes of Dennis Scott, Nick Anderson, Penny, etc. if Shaq doesn't leave? So what is the legacy for that team? Or what happens if Dwight Howard and Tracy McGrady actually played together rather than T-Mac demanding to go out of town? So if we're doing Marvel What If, if we do Orlando Magic UK What If, what's the bigger what if? So that's my question back to you guys. My gosh. That's a, that's a toughie, that is. Hold your own. I, <laughs> I, I got to go back to that 95 team. They, they were there. They were set. They were ready. Um, obviously, the um, McGrady and Howard um, airing. Howard was in his first year and he was averaging, what, 14 and 10 in his first year. So, of course, it would have taken him a couple of years to get up to to how good he was and you know in the 07 08 09 seasons so the fact that Shaq you know did what he did um and it's no surprise that I'm still very bitter about that um he if Shaq would have stayed we'd have won more championships so that's my I yeah I would tell probably agree with that I think that's a fair a fair shout yeah I think for me, um, yeah, because I think if he had been willing to stay, we would have succeeded the Bulls. So that Lakers team that was there, as long as Penny, the injuries hadn't bit, I think we were primed. And we might have even <coughs> aged, who knows? Who knows? Because Shaq became even more dominant. And Penny, actually, when Shaq went, we know how he played in that Miami series, for example, when Richie Adubato was coaching. He took it to another level. So it's possible that we could have been the Bulls' biggest challenger, even by just staying together and not being injured like we were when we faced them the following year, you know, in the playoffs and the Bulls won. Um, so I think it is interesting to think about that. And I do think we would have had a banner. Um, it did ruin my holiday when Shaq left, but I will say the magic organisation as well could have handled that better on that one. Mm. I think, I mean, uh, go on, mate. I was going to say, I think the difference between the two is if you compare the, the 95 team to the 2009 team, it was more a case of what if that team had stayed together, what would they have achieved long term? Whereas the 2009 team, or, or certainly in and around that time, I know you had thinking about adding T-Mac into that, it was more of a case of how could that team have got better to go on and win? Do you know yeah. what I mean? That that team still wasn't good enough to compete, whereas that 95 team, we felt like if they had stayed together for a little bit longer, there would have been a year where they would have got it done. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Jordan, you know, retired like three years again, 19, in 99 after his uh, second three-peat. 
Um, and then you had the years when it was New York, San Antonio, you know, the, the eight seeded Knicks in the finals against the Spurs. So, you know, could have been us. Um, but just like to get Mikey's thought, who would you get inducted into the Hall of Fame next? Any any arguments on Dwight? Yeah. I'd go with Dwight myself. I, I would go with Dwight, but I don't think it would happen yet. And I think that's because he's still playing. I think that would be the only reason he wouldn't be next. Um, I Personally, I would go for Jameer. Jameer Nelson would be my shout. Um, yeah. It, it, again, if he, if uh, Dwight had retired, different story. But I think there, there tends to be a case where they've retired for a few more years. Him, him or, or Turk, Lou. Him or Turk. Rashad really. Lewis? He's got, yeah. 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 I, I think out of those teams, I think Turk and Jameer had a little bit more of a, I don't know, their personalities and how important they were to the team, I think we'll probably put them above. Rashad probably will be long-term anyway, but yeah, um, I think for me, in terms of players that are already retired, I would go with Jameer. Yeah. I mean, Bo Outlaw is another one to consider, fan favourite, you know, ambassador, etc. Um, but before we move on to the next point, I'm going to bring back our little quiz. So, obviously, Dennis Scott's going to be the 12th member. Can you name the other 11 that are currently in the Hall of Fame? Richard DeVos. Right, okay, I'm going to cross this off my list, yeah? Penny Hardaway. Yeah. Shaq. Yeah. Daryl Armstrong. Correct. Brian Hill. Correct. David Steele. Correct. Nick Anderson. First one in. Tracy McGrady, yeah. Pat Pat Williams. Pat Williams. We're missing two. One was last year. And one was just after T Mac. What's the other guy? Um Think of a GM. Oh, John Gabriel. Yeah. John Gabriel was last year. And we got to think all the way and, back and to the, the other, 80s now. And the other founding guy. Yeah. And I can't remember what his name is. Jimmy Hewitt. That's the one. That's what I Here said. Here we go. Well done. We so the, quiz, the quiz is officially back, boys. His <laughs> <laughs> master chief. <laughs> right. So um, I wanted to touch upon something else that happened in the NBA this week. Uh, it's not strictly magic related, but I thought it was worth talking about given our... Reference. Uh, so uh, Fred Van Fleet came out after a Toronto loss to the LA Clippers and called out NBA official Ben Taylor, uh, who happened to give him a technical uh, in said game and I believe he'd done it um, a couple of times previous this season. Um, ben Taylor, for me, not one of the bad referees. There's, there's a couple worse, shall we say. Um, and I can't repeat what um, Mr. Van Fleet said because this is a family show. But if you, you do go on Twitter, I'm sure you'll be able to find it in the videos. Um, so, Mikey, did you like this um, outburst from Van Fleet? Yeah. Um, and obviously, yeah, I mean, I prefer, I like him more now than I did before. Um, <laughs> and obviously, there was there's rumors about us, you know, signing him, uh, paying him a lot of money in the summer. Um, is this something you'd like? Well, let's start with the rant itself because I thought it was uh, pretty jaw-dropping. I wasn't expecting that when I when it popped up on my timeline the other day. I was like, 
he is not holding any punches back. He was he, he was going to earn every penny of his fine that he got from the NBA. Um, yeah, I, I, to be honest, I think it's been a thing that a lot of the players have felt this year. Um, I think G and 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 NBA fans in general uh, have all been frustrated with officiating. I don't think it's been the best year, um, but that's that's officiating in general, isn't it? It's not it doesn't just happen like that in the NBA. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't expecting him to go all out like he did. I thought that was pretty surprising, and I actually thought it was surprising that he only got a thirty grand fine. For yeah. for for the level that he went to in that post game press press conference, um, but yeah, fair play to him. Um, and and then Marcus Smart the next evening, uh, I think he was asked the question by by the media, and he said basically Fred Van Fleet's answered for all of us on that level, so I let him take the fine. Um, but yeah, but in regards to free agency. Um, I wouldn't go after him personally. I, I do like Fred as a player. I think he would definitely improve the magic. I think as a def- he, he's certainly he would add something on both ends of the floor. He's a good defender. He's a thirty-seven percent three-point shooter. Um, he is having his career worst year, but he's still shooting thirty-four percent. But um, for a guy who's twenty-nine. Um, who made the all-star team last season. I don't think he's the guy we should go after. Um, he would make us better, but I think there's going to be there's going to be bigger fish to chase. And I think we just got to sit and wait, to be honest, and, and be a bit more patient. Um, yeah, I, I think there's going to be better players that are going to c- become available that are going to move the needle more than, than Fred Van Fleet. And fit the timeline, yeah, like you said. And fit the timeline. That's it. Um so as we record this, the Magic's record stands at 27 wins with 40 losses. We sit in 13th place in the Eastern Conference. Um, safe to say we're running out of games to get into those play-in spots. Um, so what I'm going to do, first and foremost, is I'm going to get Tankathon up, and I'm going to press the button just to see. I'm sure we'll do this every week now until the lottery. So here we go. Press the, press the button. Not good. Chicago jumped to fourth and Orlando fall to eighth. So, thank God that's not how it's going to end. Um, so, let, let's get into the weekly recap um, for the four games we've uh, played since the last recording. Um, so, on Friday night last week, the Magic faced the Charlotte Hornets uh, and won the game 117 to 106. Uh, as we all predicted, I think, gents. Um Orlando were led by Bancaro with 31 points uh, and held the lead of 24 points uh, at best time in the game. And um, the Hornets came back into it uh, and essentially the starters were recalled late in the game in what should have really been a comfortable win, uh, in my opinion. Um, so, Gary, what did you make of the effort? Um, and are you concerned that we keep letting teams back into the uh, games? On this one, um, my concern wasn't so much about letting them back into the game um, because we're a young team. And I think part of it is is we we don't know how to win these games sometimes or close these games out as a veteran team would see. So I think a better example is probably the Miami game recently where we should have won that game. And then as we got down to the final two minutes, we knew really what was going to happen and how it was going to end up due to experience. And looking at this game here, 
it was comfortable, but it was not as comfortable as it could have been. But I just think that's the young team dynamic that came out there. The, the worry for me is really that that was without Lamelo Ball, who was like the best player mm. for Charlotte. But by the same token, you could look at it and say, well, we are young. Banqueros puts up 31 points on six and five. Clearly, he's not rookie of the year with these numbers, Mr. Giddy. Um, and then we've got a uh, call coming in, 16 points, did it, you know, like good shooting stats. And Jalen Suggs, 15 and five. And that's more of what we want to see from Jalen Suggs on a consistent basis. So flipping it, if we took a positive angle, you could say, well, three young players have carried us to a win. And that's kind of going glass half full. That's how I want to look at that one. We're a young team who's beaten a bad team. It could have been a lot more comfortable than it was, but it's probably more of a reflection of just what we are at the minute. And not concerned based on that game. I'll give my concerns a little bit further on on the game recaps. That's fine, mate. No worries. Um, so the Magic then faced the Portland Trail Blazers um, on... Let's see. Was it Sunday or Monday? Oh, it. Can't even remember now. Um, anyway, we lost the game 122 to 119. Um, Damian Lillard finished with 41 points. Orlando got some decent outputs from the starters, namely Paolo with 26, Franz Wagner 24, uh, with Fultz, Suggs and Mo Wagner who was uh, playing in place of uh, Wendell Carter, each scoring 15. Um, I've got to make a point of this. One thing I did like, what Portland did, I mean, obviously we lost, um, and the Knicks did it a couple of weeks ago, is they were defending the three-point lead. They didn't let us get a three-point shot up um, at the end of the game, played the foul game, and we ran out of time. Now it's not pretty, for, you know, to the eye, but it's effective, and I don't know why teams don't do it um, so much. So, Mikey, what were your thoughts on the performance, and do you like that tactic? Well, the tactic's certainly situational, isn't it? You've obviously got to be—it's got to be tight. It's got to be a possession or two in it for for that to work. You've also got to make sure you've got a player on your team that's going to be making free throws, like Damian Lillard, who's one of the best in in the NBA. Um, yeah, it's certainly a, a, a good tactic, but yeah, there, there's only certain situations that's going to really work. But um, what one positive certainly from this week for me, I know we've gone one and three, but Bankera and Wagner are both getting over 20 points a night again on a consistent basis. We've seen that all week. Um, and you always, um, when that happens, you always feel the Magic are going to have a chance to win whether, with our two stars leading the way. Um, Obviously, it hasn't worked out this week, but I do feel this week we've seen again in a, in in a small sample size how much we've missed Wendell. He's missed three games. We've lost all three. There's not really been a presence at the basket. There's I know he doesn't pose as a shot blocker, but his positioning, his physicality, his rebounding, his presence in there really makes a difference. And and we've seen over the last year or so how he matches up with the better the better centers in the league like Joel Embiid and how he holds them to lower field goal percentages and stuff like that so he he has been massively missed this week and I do think that's been a big part of it I mean Portland out rebounded us that was certainly an area that we we gave up a few too many second chance points 
They shot more. They made more threes than us. Um, and really, that's what the game come down to. I think one mistake we certainly made in this game was that was probably from the Magic's coaching point of view was that they gave Caleb Houston the opportunity. And we've all been advocating for him to play more and, and get more playing time and, and get some more valuable experience. But it was a mistake that he was the player that got switched onto Damian Lillard at the end of that game who drew the foul, went to the free throw line and iced the game. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I, I think the defensive side of the ball certainly slipped for us. And I think that's that. That's the reason we've lost three three straight. Um, we're we're not we're not rebounding the ball very well. Um, teams are getting to the basket. I think I know we're going to talk about some of the other games in a minute. But points in the paint are becoming a problem. And uh, yeah, teams just seem to be getting their way with us. And at the end of the day, we're a young team. You might be able to. I mean, you, you've got Franz. You've got Paolo. Fultz has been getting twenty points a game. Um, but you can't play it and have a shootout against some of these teams. You've got to get stops, and that's been our problem this week. Yeah, no, that's a good observation there, mate. Um, so we faced the uh, Milwaukee Bucks then. I think that was on Tuesday night. Um, obviously, they're going to be missing their two All-Stars, Drew Holiday and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um I won't lie, going into this game, I was thinking, ah, we can give them a, give them a game. Um wasn't to be um, <laughs> again. Um, so the Magic are led by Cole Anthony with 23 points, Franz Wagner 21, Paolo with 20. Uh, but as Mikey touched upon there, the defense was literally non-existent with uh, the Bucks shooting 59% uh, from the floor, torched by uh, Lopez, Middleton, Carter, Portis, all the veterans we uh, touched upon last week when we were talking about the game in Milwaukee. Um, they're a very well-oiled machine and obviously, hopefully, they go to the finals uh, from the East because we don't want to see one of those dirty Celtics there. So, uh, Gary, um, were you disappointed as I was with the showing and the lack of defensive intensity? Um, I think I'll sum it up, G, that if it was any better, it would have been crap. <laughs> I think that's how, that's how I would sum it up. It was it was awful. Um, I, I know obviously they're still a good team. When you take away, you know, Drew and Yanis, they're still a good team. But we just didn't look likely. That, that's you know, like watching the game. It, I was just mm. watching the first quarter. I was like, we aren't winning this game. And I, I think it was Mikey texted me, and I was like, why am I watching this? You know, it was just sitting there, and I was just go. It was going through the motions, is what it felt like. Jumping on the back of what Mikey said before, we really missed Wendell. Um, Brooke Lopez found, felt as though he could just get what he wanted inside. He was affecting the game so much and having a big effect the game so much. My worry was what Yanis would have done if he played. Um, we looked sloppy. We looked soft inside. Um, my worry is, firstly, this will prove costly when we're chasing the play in because that became a winnable game. When those two yeah. players were there, that became winnable and it wasn't. So I was like, well, we could get a bonus here. We could go three and one this week. That was like how I was looking at a pregame. My worry as well was when you look that Crowder um, Crowder got 15 points and Joe Ingles come in with five or six shooting 12 points and we, we made him look unreal. You know, when he was off the bench, he just looked cut above. And he's not a bad player, but I was like, 
you know, you're like in God territory here when he was playing against us. And, you know, to think those two put up 27 points on us and then we lost by, you know, 11. And there's loads of things we didn't do well. That was a winnable game. Yeah. I suppose the only sort of a positive is, you know, they put up 123 points. Yeah. The offence is there. But yeah. obviously, like we've touched upon, it's, it's that the defence isn't where it needs to be. And that's our calling card. It just didn't look, you know, you're in the first quarter and you're just like, I don't think we're winning this game. And then you're watching the next three quarters and it was just unfolding in front of your eyes as you expected it to do. And again, we're a young team. And in a year's time, we might win that game. You know, but just yeah. it was very frustrating because it went from we're probably not going to win that game to, oh, we might win this game to sitting in the first quarter and going, nah, we're not winning this game. You know, and it was just a little bit frustrating to see. But, you know, we move on. I just think it's one of those where that type of win puts you closer to the plane. Yeah, absolutely. Expect, so never mind. Never mind. Yeah, it's always next. Um, So then um, we've all caught up uh, from last night's game against the uh, Utah Jazz, who were wearing their... uh, Yellow highlight highlight marker kit. Um, so the Magic lost by a score of one hundred and thirty one to one hundred and twenty four in what was a pretty frustrating game. Um, and I just got to add, actually, Lowry Markinen. Next time, somebody needs to stick one on him, taking that two right at the end of the game. It's totally uncalled for. Anyway, um, the the Jazz. I'm really annoyed with him about that. Uh, not that it made a difference. Um, so the Jazz had their way inside the paint of scoring the Magic, 64-50. to 50. Uh, The Magic shot themselves in the foot by missing 11 of their 31 foul shots. Uh, we got good production out of Paolo Banquero, who scored 26. Mark Alfalt to 25, including an absolutely sweet three-point shot on a, on a step back, which was... Beautiful, beautiful. Well done, Marco. Uh, and Franz Wagner with 24. Jalen Suggs continued his uh, stellar play with 17 off the bench. So, Mikey, given that our big three, let's call them that, in uh, Bancaro, Franz and Markel scored 75, 75 between them, um, what else do you want to see? Uh, as the Who else do you want to see in the core going forward? And anything to add on that disappointing loss? Well, Let's talk about the game first. Free throws is the obvious area. Um, I was actually surprised at this because I had a look before we we jumped on. Um, the Magic is 16th in free throw percentage this year, which I find really, really surprising because the number of games this year, I feel like we leave so many free throws on the table. I find that really hard to believe that we're in the middle of the pack in the NBA. Um, you, you do have um, Mo Wagner hit like 40 in a row and then Mark Allo hit 28 in a row or something like that. But it, it it feels, and I don't know if this is recent, but it does feel like there's the, the one game we're hitting the free throws really, <laughs> we're going really well from the free throw line, but the three point shots completely off the rails. Or like last night against Utah, you make... 16 of 34, 47% from three, yet you only make 64% of your free throws. It's either one or the other. It doesn't seem to be both. I mean, when you think that we got to the free throw line 10 more times in Utah and we made three more threes and you still lost the game. I mean, 
it, it, it's a hard one to take, really. Um, it, it was certainly another winnable game. Um, yeah, but th- for me, that that's the two main areas the Magic need to improve on this this off season is they've they've got to get better at the free throw line, and, and we're getting there, which is which is the positive sign. It's just we've got to make more of them. Mikey, just go just, on. Sorry, just a thought there, you know, because we're always talking about this two guard situation, and I think G had signed up on this, but I was looking at the Jazz playing and. Uh, that two guard put up twenty three points, eight assists, and he looked almost uh, like Jordan esque. And I was wondering how you'd feel about giving up our picks to get the Utah Jazz's uh, two guard into Orlando because he looks like a Hall of Famer to me. Yeah, he's a nobody, according uh, I think G would say. Yeah, well, he looked. You know, Taylor Horton Jordan really performed. And I think- <laughs> <laughs> nobody, absolute nobody. Sorry, I disrupted your floor. That <laughs> no, that's all right. <laughs> It's all right, but uh, yeah, that's that's the two areas they got to work on this off season. Um, yeah, it is what it is. But again, the the defensive side of the ball wasn't there when it when it mattered in this game, and uh, that's what it come down to. Um, the core, though, um, I mean, we talked about this, I think, off air after we finished recording last week a little bit. Um, honestly, I I don't think there's anyone safe outside of Paolo and Franz. I, I really don't. I think there's a clear, talented young group of, that inclu- includes Faults, Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, Bol, Wendell, J.I., Juma, Caleb Houston. I think they've all they've all got a future in the league. I think you could pick several of them and say they're moving forwards as we move forwards, but I wouldn't consider any of them untouchable. And I do think it depends... If anybody of significance becomes available in the off season, um, um, yeah, I, I'd actually like to see us move forwards with everybody for one more year, just to see how far they can take us next season. Um, I, I think if we can internally improve shooting the three and continue getting to the free throw line and making making free throws, we've already seen how much we've improved since everybody's been healthy after that 5-20 and 20 start and, and what a jump we've made since then. I think if we can have that for 82 games, there's absolutely no reason why this team isn't at very, at the very least a play, play-in team next year, possibly even a playoff team. Um, so, yeah, I would move forwards with what we have already. I think if we can add a couple of players on the fringes who are a little bit better for three-point shooters. or And I think we're probably going to get something like that in the draft as well. Um, that's the way I would like to improve next year, not necessarily turn over half the roster right now because I think e- even the young players that are maybe part of the core but maybe not part of the core long-term, I think there's enough value in there that they're going to bring us back something in return at a later date whenever that whenever that happens, whether it's the off-season, the trade deadline next year, next off-season, um, I, I wouldn't rush into it. I think this team needs to sort of continue to grow together, continue to improve, and, and that's, the way I would, that's the way I would move forwards. What do you guys think? I think it's interesting, Mikey, because um, shout-out to Fantasy Magic, I believe it was on Twitter, James Bailey Jr., who said when Markel hit the step-back three, I believe it was, about have we seen Washington Markel like re-emerging into the league, you know, the guy who was picked number one. 
are we now seeing that? And I think the magic would be reluctant, very reluctant to push Markel Fultz out, given how he's played in the last 15 to 20 games. I think he's really shown us something where he's he's looking. I know we've said before, if you could get a run of games, he could be the guy who becomes the most improved player in the league. I think we all share that opinion. Um, and what we've seen recently from Markel would suggest that maybe, you know, like he's a guy who you would put on that as the third name because what he's doing is kind of like a Darren Fox level jump, what's happening now, I would say. So, I think the front two, we've got to make it fit around Paolo and Franz. And I would kind of push Markel's name into that. And the only way I could see it not being there is if we decided to run the ball mm -hmm. through Paolo Banquero and we were offered a package where Markel Fultz was part of it and they committed to that idea where he's the ball handler and you got more of a shooter in the backcourt. But I, I think Fultz might be the third name where it's like, that's the big three. And then add around that, which will happen via the draft. But it's it's making the parts fit. We've got the core two, maybe three. And then I think it's okay. How do we get what we need around them? And like I said last week on the pod, the perfect guy on paper should have been more Bamba. That should have been, and that, that really honestly annoys me because if you look at the makeup of the team, a shot blocking seven footer who could potentially run the floor he can do it and shoot from anywhere and put points on the board quick is what you kind of want that's the dream scenario and we know it's funny it's Couldn't funny you say that it's funny you say that because paul texted me this morning when we he was watching the game from last night and he said walker kessler is what we hoped mobamba would be it's just annoying it's just because we we know what what more, more Bamba's talent isn't in question. It just hasn't worked for some reason. But on paper, he would have been the perfect. And then you've got four. Then you've got four. Um, but, you know, it's one of those what-ifs, isn't it? But that's that's where I'd say it. I think Markel's played his way into the third spot unless they figure the best way to go forward is with Paolo being the ball handler. That's my view. I don't know. I don't know if you saw this tweet from Basketball Forever. It was on, on my timeline today. Markel Fultz is shooting better overall than Steph, Dame and Kyrie this season. She, having a career year in points per game, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, assists per game, steals per game, rebounds. Um, and, and he can still get better. That's what's, There's still room to improve. See, I've been saying this for years. Gee, you know the famous football comedy where it's like, look at his face. Just look at his face. When Mikey's reading that out there, I'm just watching for you to like him. Like, it's like a proud dad. <laughs> yeah, look at his face. Yeah, I mean, I'd add Jalen Suggs into that. What we've seen from Jalen in the last 10, 20 games, you know, he had an injury hit season last year, but he's shooting the ball a lot better. He's got confidence shooting the three now. And, you know, when he's pulling up for them, you're not thinking, no, 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 Jalen, don't do that. He, he's hitting them. The, the guys, uh, David and Jeff mentioned it yesterday. How many times is he on the floor every game? Five, six times, jumping for loose balls, getting in passing lanes, getting steals, driving to the basket. I'm really liking what I'm seeing from him. And, you know, if you take, uh, take out his injury hit season he's probably nearly played i don't know about 80 odd games maybe uh over the, the course of uh 
um, since he's been drafted. So that's technically just you know about a season. And you put him in the same sort of category as Marcus Smart, who you know he didn't start off the uh, his career shooting it very well at all. Um, I remember playing Boston. I think he drafted in the same year as Aaron Gordon. We played Boston, and it was like, yeah, let's smart have that. And he'd airball a couple of threes, but then obviously he's got better. But I think he's in that same mold and is that dogged guard that you need, um, you know, for for a decent playoff team just just to just to have um, to just disrupt the the other team. So for me, I'd put. Jalen Suggs in there also uh, but I mean there's arguments to put everybody on there let's be honest isn't there so um, and I'm sh- sorry Jay. and I'm sorry. sure we'll discuss this probably lots in the off season you know when we're doing our you know rotations etc after we find out who's been drafted and I, I know young Gary's looking forward to uh, Grady Dick being uh, drafted by the Magic and uh, trying to fit him in there Gar. Um, I can finally identify with. <laughs> I think, though, like Gio, on top of that, we, we, we mentioned before about giving up on guys on their rookie contract, and it's not really like the best move to make. And you, you've highlighted so there and his games. You know, really the court time he's really seen. And then I would look at it and say, well, look at Cole. You know, like you look yeah. at you look at six men like straight away before you get into anything else. Cole's performing in that category. I think David Steele flagged it up where he was fourth in it was it was flagged up on the on the broadcast. Yeah, best in the East right now, and that's your third year player. And I know it's quite a young thing because Matherin's leading the way and such. But Cole putting up twelve thirteen a game off the bench, and it's been you know there's been some really big performances and important ones there straight away. You're going well. You've got your sixth man there if that's all that you think Cole is, and that's not knocking it because he should play starter minutes. But then you could put it in there and say, well, if Cole gets the run of games, because he's had a stop-start career where there was no um, <laughs> COVID-affected when he was drafted. The magic blew it up. He's had injuries and things like that. But when Cole Anthony's had minutes and runs of games, he's actually done pretty well um, for the magic as well. So that there is that talent question where it's just how do these guys fit? Because, you know, so Colts uh, is having that run of games now, but Cole had this run of games last season, this 20 to 25 games span when he was he was being talked about as a most improved player candidate and, you know, like maybe a future all-star as well. He's only in his third year. And he's hit a few game-winning shots as well. Ice in his veins. You cannot write him off. You, you, there's a bunch of players that you just can't write off. We've just got to make it fit. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Nice problem to have. It is, Definitely. Um, so let's move on and just uh, talk about the week ahead. So we'll be recording our next podcast uh, next Friday, the 17th of March. Um, so we have three games on deck. Um, we welcome, do we welcome them? No. Um, we face the Miami Heat on Saturday night at the Amway Centre or Sunday morning in the UK at midnight. Uh, we then travel to San Antonio to face the San Antonio Spurs Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. Again, a midnight tip-off, um, and that um, then we then we're up against uh, these the Phoenix Suns um, as we basically continue our West Coast swing. Uh, they're going to be missing Kevin Durant. 
um, who turned his ankle, I believe, a couple of days ago. Uh, that is a Thursday night or Friday morning in the UK at 2am. So I didn't get Paul's uh, predictions because he was a late scratch. But um, gentlemen, Mikey, what are you saying, mate? What am I saying? I'm going to go one and two this week. I'm going to go and one we- and two. We're going to be Spurs. We getting- I think that's the obvious one. I think... I think Miami, although they they've they've only won three of their last ten games, they're not they're not having their best run, and they're fourteen and nineteen on the road. <laughs> they just feel like one of those teams that that we don't really match up well with. They've just added Kevin Love, who's an important vet for that team. That come playoff time is gonna gonna be important for them. Um, I I just don't fancy us against Miami. The the Spurs, I mean, they're in full tank mode. Um, they're trying. They're trying to chase Houston for the worst, or just Houston and Detroit for that worst record. Um, and what was the other game? I've completely blanked. <laughs> the Suns. The Suns. The Suns. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they've already got enough, even without Kevin Durant. Um, and that's, I think, a start of a, a West Coast road trip where yeah, we're in the middle just... of one. It's um, yeah, they're they're fourth in the West and they they're still going strong. So yeah, I'm gonna go one and two. What if I was to tell you Miami on a back to back? So the second night they face Orlando. Well, we got to play some de- defense first, then get Wendell back. If that doesn't happen, then I-, I can't see it. Okay, Gary. Well, even though me and Mikey's dressed the same tonight, um, I don't want to be the same in the predictions. So I'll say we'll go two and one, and we'll beat Miami and we'll beat San Antonio. Like he's, it, he's definitely got good fashion sense, and I applaud you tonight with the black <laughs> blue jersey approach. It's always good. <laughs> good stuff. Um, I'm going to agree with Gary. Actually, I think we've beat Miami. I think we've done okay with them uh, the last two games. Obviously, we just faltered in the fourth quarter, um, and the fact they're on a, a second night of back to back, I think the team would be hungry to to put right what what's been this week where they haven't played defense. So I think we'll win that. I think we'll beat the San Antonio Spurs. Um, and we need to beat the San Antonio Spurs because my little brother Gareth is a San Antonio Spurs fan. And I need bragging rights in in, uh, in, in the family WhatsApp group. Um, and then obviously Phoenix. Yeah, Phoenix, uh, you know, probably destined to be in the, in the Western finals at the very least. So um, we'll probably drop that one. So I'll go two and one. So here we go. So uh, thank you as always for listening and watching. Please hit subscribe uh, on your YouTube channel, Orlando Magic UK, just to uh, to help us try and get to the Magic 1000 subscribers. If you do fancy some shopping this weekend, please click on to NBA Store EU or Fanatics from all of our links. Don't forget to use our affiliate code MAGICUK10 for 10% off your order. Um, so from Gary... Mikey and myself. Until next week, go magic.